0: Hi, I'm Ryan Miner. I'm the host of a minor detail podcast where it's all about Maryland. We have a no-holds-barred conversation featuring Maryland newsmakers and newsbreakers, journalists, reporters, politicos, politicians, policy wonks, prognosticators, political activists, organizers, community leaders, and so many more. Whew, man, that's a lot of peas. Here on A Minor Detail Podcast, we get to the bottom of every story. We talk about news and politics in an open and honest format. And we find the minor details because every detail matters. You can follow us on the web at a aminordetailpodcast.com and aminordetail.com for the latest Maryland news and politics. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show.
1: I have with me the distinct pleasure of having Dr. Ralph Savagno, the mayor of Hancock, Maryland. Dr. Savagno, welcome. I think this is your first time on a Minor Detail podcast.
2: It is indeed.
1: Well, it's a pleasure having uh, one of the the very famous mayors of uh, Washington County over the great town of Hancock in uh, western Maryland, the true western Maryland. This is – people often confuse – they think Frederick, mayor, is Western Maryland, but it's really not. No,
2: we have, we, have, we certainly have a little bit of a different culture than Frederick. Um, I, I enjoyed very much, uh, but it is it's not quite Frederick. And <laughs> you know, as far as as far as being mayor of the, I I really enjoy being mayor of the, uh, the town of Hancock. But in in many respects, it's like having the the uh, cheapest house in the most expensive neighborhood. You, you get the title of mayor, um, no different than the mayor of Baltimore, Annapolis, Bowie, and Frederick, but it's a, we do represent a little bit smaller population than those, but i I try to take advantage of it as much as I can.
1: <laughs> well, the distinction comes with plenty of responsibilities, of course, so um, but well, I invited you on today because you have an upcoming town election uh, this Monday, the twenty eighth, and that's going to take place at town hall from I believe eleven until seven, and then after the the election uh, the balloting closes. The process will, uh, the, the ballots will be counted and we'll figure out who's uh, the, on the council this time as well as uh, on the mayoral election. Uh, I know that you have an opponent and later in this podcast we'll talk about the election. But first, let's talk about you as uh, your career. You are an, an orthopedic surgeon and you got into politics, um, I believe, several I would say several years ago, because you, you were on the council, but yeah. let's talk about you um, as, uh, in, in your profession. So you are a, a notable orthopedic surgeon in, uh, in Western Maryland, and uh, when did you get started? Let's talk a little bit about your background.
2: Yeah, so um, I was fortunate enough to go to um, University of Maryland Medical School um, and then did a residency up at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland for five years. Um, I was really fortunate when I came back to, to town. My, uh, my my family grew up in Prince George's County. Um, I was looking for a place that was close, but not too not too close, um, and and came across Hagerstown to start with. Um, joined the practice of Dr. Bob Sorintio, who who's uh, I consider to be my mentor and and friend, who uh, really got me started and started in practice with him. And over the next thirty years, uh, was able to provide services into the residents of Washington County and the surrounding area. My primary expertise is in the area of hypne and um, shoulder replacement, um, which was very, it was very interesting. It's like being a, it's like being a medical carpenter. Um, and I continue that. I actually um, discontinued my surgical practice about, about a year ago. I put 30 years in starting to wear out a little bit. So um, time for the younger generation to take over. And no. currently I'm, I'm now serving as the chief of staff at, uh, Merida's Medical Center.
1: Well, of course. I mean, you, you give up your practice and then politics, like, you know, it's like the next <laughs> big bet. Right? <laughs> it, it,
2: you know, I did. it's interesting because I, when I was in high school, that's what really what I was all about. I did, you know, I was student government president my junior year. I was senior class president my senior year. I was a student government at University of Maryland College Park. The first year or two I was there. And then sort of felt, you know, my calling is in medicine and this is something I'm going to have to leave behind but it's something that kind of nags at you in the back of your brain all the time um, and when the opportunity came to run, run for uh, initially from for mayor which I, I was defeated my first run out there um, and then serve as council it was it was really it was very rewarding um, it's sort of like I'd fulfilled something that I'd always wanted to do and that was to be involved in politics.
1: So you got involved in politics uh, you ran for mayor you lost but then you joined the council how long ago did you serve on the the town council and what was the duration of your service
2: so it was um I served from two thousand uh, thirteen uh, it was thirteen to seventeen um, and then uh, right before I ran for mayor and then the, t- just finished a two year term as mayor or will we'll finish a two years term as mayor coming up here
1: and a mayoral election are they every two years
2: every two years and, and there are so it sort of splits up the, the vote. The, the council runs for uh, four um, in divided groups, so it's a group of two each each four years, and then uh, the mayor runs for two. A little bit of a burden on the mayor, um, and there's been some discussion as to whether that term should be extended, but I- I'm perfectly happy with two years for right now.
1: Well, it's like the House of Representatives, and if it's any indication, Mayor Savano, the governor of the great state of new hampshire they have to run every 2 years for 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 governor which is interesting uh, the same with the legislature so you know you it, it
2: does it does, yeah, it does create some issues as far as how much can you get done uh, and i think in the first term it is it's a bit difficult uh, you know you got to get your feet wet with a couple things make some uh, relationships grow but certainly in a in a second term there there should be a higher expectation and i i do hope that the constituents of of hancock if they Uh, choose to re-elect me that they do hold me to a higher standard in my second term because I think they really have a lot more that I can accomplish.
1: Well, you, you took over as mayor back in 2017 from longtime mayor Dan Murphy. Everybody knows that Dan Murphy's name up in Hancock. But before we go into that, let's talk about a little bit about how did you decide to live in Hancock? I know you said you you, you came from outside of the town, so how did you end up moving up to
0: Hancock?
2: Um, my wife Tracy's family has been here in Hancock for over 150 years. Um, she wanted to be closer to her family and her her kids at the time, because they were still in school age. Um, and yeah, I I'd been in Hancock before, um, and I like I think like a lot of people, uh, other people, we sort of wonder is, is Hancock really in Washington County or not? But it did, indeed is. Um, and it's a nice little town, and it seems like a nice place to to uh, serve out the rest of my career in orthopedics and move on to something a little bit different.
1: They got one of the best Halloween parades, I can tell you that, having we, walked it it's,
2: it's, it it's just about the right length, yeah. um, and you very close to the action. Everybody gets involved. I, it's one of those kind of little small-town gems.
1: And uh, and, uh, and it also has, an, what is it called, the Apple Harvest Parade?
2: Um, we had that for a couple of years. Unfortunately, the sponsoring group has, um, you know, and, and they, they've kind of aged out a little bit. I guess I would say um, we, it's one of the things that I would like to try to bring back, but it's going to take a little bit of work to do that.
1: Oh, well, I, I walked in that as too, and that was that was also fun. So let's talk a little bit of history of Hancock. So it's it's been around. For a long time, it's uh, it's a small river town up in the westernmost point, and I believe it's about 2.75 square miles, according to Wikipedia. It has about 2,000 residents or so. Mayor, what, what's the what's the unique history here of the the small town that you uh, you govern over?
2: The, the perhaps the, the greatest unique thing is that it is the northernmost point on the Potomac River. Um, it's also in a very narrow part of the river um it is this is the smallest distance between the states of west virginia and um pennsylvania in fact uh, one of the local family doctors for a number of years dr matt Hahn, did a walk across maryland for his patients for several years and they would start the pennsylvania border walk down pennsylvania avenue to the potomac river about two miles everyone would get a nice big t-shirt walk across maryland um pretty impressive uh, but you know so you can you can imagine in the earlier years as a, a as a transportation area, as a place to ford over the river, as a trading post. Um, it was a very nice place for, for people to have. And that's sort of how the, the town developed. Um, if you look at it today, you can sort of understand how that occurred. as we have 522 South and 68 West and I-70 going through, it becomes, it's very much a crossroads uh, for heading in, in different directions. Um, and, and so we see that, you know, although we don't see maybe the, Retail part of that, as we did in the 1950s, 1960s, we certainly see it from the recreational standpoint and from the traveler standpoint. We, we're very uniquely situated with the CNO Canal and the Western Maryland Rail Trail. Uh, we've also been <laughs> recently talked to some groups of people may not be aware of the Tuscarora Trail, which runs through Hancock, um, and, and of course, the Potomac River. So recreationally, we have a lot, of, a lot to offer. Um, I, I really like it here in Hancock because I know at the end of the day I can put my kayak in the back of the truck and be on the river in five minutes. It's a very yeah. unique opportunity.
1: As well as the, the CNO Canal, when I was a kid, I was in the Boy Scouts, and we did a trek the 184.4 miles from, uh, from Cumberland all the way down to Georgetown. And of course, we stopped in Hancock. And as a kid, Hancock always seemed – I grew up in Hagerstown and then moved to the county when I was about 10. And Hancock always seemed detached. And if we went to Hancock – I'll tell you why we we would go up to Hancock when I was a kid. It was always a special treat to go to Park and Dine because they had some of the best home-cooked food that you could get around, including their very famous deviled eggs. And when I was a kid, we would take sometimes weeknight trips up. Um, and it wouldn't happen very often, maybe two or three times a year. But that was always uh, kind of like a mini little road trip for us as Hagerstonians. We would drive to Hancock and eat in Park and Dine and uh, spend the evening there. And then we would try to get the back room at Park and Dine so we could look over the Potomac River. That It was always a treat. And Park and Dine is one of my most favorite restaurants in, in Hancock. You
2: know, back when I lived in Prince George's County, um in the, in the 60s, early 70s, you know, a lot of families would, do, would just do daily road trips and um, put everybody in the back of the station wagon, and we would occasionally drive up to Hancock and stop at the Heppard Orchards, which is now the, the Blue Goose. Yeah. Um, it's just for something to do, get out and uh, get the kids out of the house for a while. I think my parents just, maybe if we would, uh, on the way back, fall asleep in the car, it was the most restful time they had.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the what's happening inside of the town in the form of government. What is on the the what is on the top of everybody's minds when they're thinking right now? Who's been following town politics? What's uh, what's happening there?
2: Well, I think the the three things that probably things that people think about the most is you know what's
1: the status of current employment in the town.
2: Uh, we're very fortunate that we have um, harvest of Maryland uh, medical marijuana facility which has been doing extremely well Um, they are actually the top producer in the state of Maryland they're going to be opening a uh, uh, processing plant here in um, Hancock within the next several months they're doing extremely well Um, just north of town we have Lenko Penland uh, cheese production Um, and they too have been expanding at a slow but steady steady rate so there are some positive things going on Um, I think on the other hand you just, if you drive down Main Street, it is always very disappointing to see um, empty storefronts. You know, the the, the days of, of retail in a small town have, have bypassed most of us. Um, even when I go down to Annapolis to go to the General Assembly, you talk to the people in, in Annapolis, and, and a lot of these shop owners there, it, this is not their primary source of income. This is what they're doing in their retirement, or they have someone else who's working in the family. It's that it's kind of a a hobby for them, some people yeah, obviously can make a living but it's it's a very difficult in a small town um, on the other hand, you know we have we have we have some challenges moving forward um, like most of the state of Maryland uh, who are situated along the Potomac River, we have to upgrade our wastewater treatment plant, and that's perhaps the biggest challenge that the town has moving forward. This is a potential expense of several million dollars. Um, we're working with the state and working with our consultants and moving along with that plan but um, it's going to take a little bit of work and um, a lot of cooperation between the state and the federal agencies and the town to make that happen.
1: And the third issue?
2: Uh, I think the, the third issue is really, you know, the the future of the town as far as how do you, how does it identify itself? And I think right now our identity is is really kind of in two things. It's it's the recreational opportunities that we have. Um, the you know the river the canal and also the identity with the school and it has always been our concern about we are the smallest high school in the state um, obviously the smallest high school in Washington County and will our will our school always be here to serve um, our students and we have been I wouldn't say we've been threatened in the past but there's always been discussion about you know consolidations. Um, But I think the the identity of the town is strongly mired in the Hancock Panther, um, and we will do whatever we can do to to preserve and protect our school.
1: Well, and I I know from my experience in Washington County that there's always been that question, will Hancock close the high school and shift the students to Clear Spring? What... um, anything new on that front have you heard anything from the board of education
2: well recently um well as as soon as last year there was some concern when um our agriculture teacher was moved to um, clare springs Um, we were fortunate that we did get someone back into the high school and reestablish that program but it, it does create a lot of emotional turmoil in the In the community and the Board of Education stated at that time that they had no plans to move the high school. Um, I don't know, that's language I don't always trust, um, but at least for the time being there's been no further discussion. Um, I think what what we have to do as a town is to certainly support the high school as best we can, to uh, highlight its unique character. One of the things that we have been talking about with the um, Department of Natural Resources is to create some type of a natural resources program here for the high school students. Maybe not a magnet program, um, but somewhat similar that offers some, some things that are unique as far as um, aquaculture and forestry that aren't offered in other schools, something to make our um, school a little bit um, unique among Washington County and the area, and perhaps to drive families who, with children in that, in, interest in those fields to, to the town of Hancock.
1: Yeah. um, And I want to back up. You mentioned one of the issues that the the town council and yourself are collectively facing is the wastewater treatment plan, and that brings up a discussion about the budget. So let's talk about the pots of money that municipal towns – I often talk to mayors and city councils and town councils about where you get your money from, where the funding for towns and services from, basically how you operate – a town financially. So let's talk. Let's talk about your budget and how much money specifically that this wastewater treatment plant is going to cost, and some of the negotiations and proceedings that have gone through um, in the last few months.
2: So the primary, you know, the primary source of, of income is generally from um, property tax. Um, we don't levy an independent um, sales tax. Um, I know oftentimes people feel that they're, they support the town by, you know, shopping the stores here. And although that does help our property taxes, we don't derive any direct benefit from from purchases made here. Um, of, of course, there are some local pass-throughs from state and federal funding, but that's where the majority of our funding comes from. Um, we also operate a, um, you know, the water system, um, and that's that's another source of income from the town. They're, they're what we call proprietary funds. So when we operate those, um, they basically have to cover their own expenses. Um, which so everyone basically everyone has to be treated equally. Um, as far as the town's budget is concerned, you know you, you you made a kind of an allusion to pots of money, and in a municipal government, it, it's really kind of one big. Aside from the proprietary funds, it is there are budget line items, um, but we really don't. Stow funds away in specific accounts for specific right. things. We, you know, we create our budget and try to, and then and analyze it on a regular basis to be sure that we don't overspend. As you know, in the state of Maryland, municipalities uh, like other governments are not allowed to overspend their budget. Right. Um, so we are very careful. You know, one of the things that can always sink a municipality or any local government is pensions. Um, so we're very careful to make sure that our pension fund is fully funded. Um, and that our employees are treated right, and that we can provide the essential services. The one thing that I think we're a little bit unique in, in of a town of our size is that we do have our own police force, which is an, a significant expense for a, a town of our size. Um, currently, we're a little bit understaffed. Um, we're looking to get a couple more officers. So if you know anybody who's interested, we're, we're certainly hiring. So um, well, how much
1: does a job pay?
2: Probably not as not it's, it's probably not as comparable as you would you'd find in the city. And that's really where the, where the issue is. It's you have to sell the, the town and the quality of life. Um, so that's, that is really a big challenge to us here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it is a nice, it is a nice job. It's a nice place to live. And, um, you know, if you, if it, we, what you tend to see generally is people who are in their second careers, who are interested in continuing their, their work, a uh, police
1: officer, but oh, that they
2: may have a, po- a pension or something from another job before.
1: That's right. Um, I remember. I believe Steve McCarty, who um, right. is now uh, Reverend McCarty uh, down in Clearspring, he left the Maryland State Police and then came up to Hancock and served on the police force.
2: Yes, and he was actually chief of police for a couple of years when he was here.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he was, that was his second career. Uh, although Steve, Steve McCarty's had like. A dozen careers. I think
2: at least at least at least half a dozen. I would say
1: for
2: sure. <laughs> but, as, yeah. but but you can you can actually say at this time I think he has met his calling.
1: <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. I believe so. I believe that, uh, and I'm sure his his lovely wife Melanie um, is probably happy about that. I of course I grew up with um, one of my truly best friends that throughout my life has been um, Steve Stephen Melanie's son Rhett McCarty, and that right. was in my wedding. And, uh, we were, were, we've been very close for, for many years. Um, so what are some economic drivers up in Hancock? You, I know you mentioned the CNO canal. You, 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 we, we talked about park and dine, of course, recreation, the the Potomac river, but, uh, what are some other draws that would bring people from out of state and from the, where let's say where I live here in Gaithersburg?
2: I think what you what you really have to look at is, is really the the recreational opportunities. I mean there is if there is really no place else that you can really be on the river, on the CNO Canal or on the bike trail for you know, within two hundred yards of each other. So, you know, if if dad's a kayaker and mom's a biker and the kids are walkers, they can all do the same thing, meet up at one of the local restaurants afterwards and all have a nice afternoon. Um that's really what we, we have here. We, you know, the, the fishing, this year has not been great for fishing because the river level has been so high. But if you go out there on a Saturday morning, you'll see the entire parking lot down by the boat ramp um, filled with with vehicles and license plates from all over. One of the things that we are working with the state and federal government on now is upgrading our boat ramp to make it a little bit safer and a little bit more inviting for uh, boaters and fishermen. Um, so that's that's really what we hope to to market to the outside. A, a few months ago, when Amazon was um, considering their headquarters, I wrote a little blog for our town website and I said why Hancock was not going to apply to be Amazon's <laughs> HQ2. Um, and, and said, you know, we're, we're, we really don't have all the, maybe I have the local university, but we certainly have the recreational opportunities and we would um, welcome those people to come up and visit once they move into uh, Crystal City.
1: Well, that's a that would be a big draw. Um, yeah. So I'm um, I'll be very excited about that. Um, and I know that Montgomery County, we were a little bit disappointed that we did not get uh, Amazon, but you know maybe uh, maybe some people will move over and and, and continue to uh, drive some economic development our way. But uh, no, you're right. The there's there's many attractions, recreation up in Hancock. I've I've taken advantage of it. And uh, overall, it's a great little place. And, and there's some interesting restaurants there. I want to mention that Buddy Lou's, um, I think it's a personal favorite of ours. It's a mutual favorite. One of the best menus that I've I've seen around. And uh, I encourage anybody who's stopping through Hancock to check out Buddy Lou's or some of the other town restaurants.
2: Yeah, I think if you come up and have the Oyster Pita, that's my favorite.
1: <laughs> the um, Oyster they, Pita? They, I they, haven't
2: they, tried that. Yeah. They do have some unique items on there, and I understand they recently started a well, little happy hour during the week, so that makes it, oh, makes it very nice. It's very convenient get to sit along, watch people. You know, if you're, if you're going on the canal or on the river and had a hard day, it's a good place to stop. If that's not your thing and you just want to watch people walking along the canal or the river, you, that's a good place to do it, too, in their open deck in the summer.
1: Mayor, tell us about how the town government is organized. Of course, there's one mayor. I believe there's five members of the council. How do you work in tandem with one another?
2: So there's there's the mayor and four councilmen, two oh, each my two elected for four year four year ter- terms, and then a, a town manager. Um, generally, um, the 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 way that the council works is we ha- we've divided up responsibilities. We have someone uh, two individuals who may be the police commissioners. Uh, another one or two individuals who work with uh, public works and the wastewater treatment plant, um, and then kind of crossover with parks and recreation. So we try to get some work done outside of the general council meeting, um, and then help come together for you know for a general consensus. Um, I will say that in the last four years, um, council has gotten along in general um, pretty well. We've had our moments, um, like most other councils, and it's and I think those moments occur because people feel very strongly about the town. Um, they have an idea about what they would like to accomplish. And sometimes when there isn't direct ag- agreement, there is, I would say strong discussion, but at the end of the day, it's just like the end of a football game. Everybody shakes hands and goes away friends for the benefit of the town.
1: Now, um, uh, most of the time, <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> of the time. <laughs> I would say I would preface it with most of the time. Um, so, uh, I, recently in the news, it looks like town manager Dave Smith has submitted a resignation letter. Did we, have we learned why Dave is leaving?
2: Dave has been in this job for 10 to 12 years. Um, he, it, this is, this is a, a, a difficult job. and It's going to be a difficult shoes to fill because the, the town manager in our town operates both, both on an administrative level and an operational level. So he's the guy you call no matter what happens. He's the guy you call. In the call middle him. of the night. Yeah, middle of the night, fix the water, you know, why is, why is this dog running around outside my yard? Um, <laughs> he does all that stuff. He's got two wonderful children and a lovely wife who have not seen a lot of him in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the things you say, at some point in time, you say, you know, it's just time to do something a little bit different. I, you know, one of the things is we're, Working through this transition, I've talked to Dave on a regular on a regular usually daily basis he's he's been really helpful on trying to work on a transition um, and i I know that he will be available to help us out particularly in expertise with his with the wastewater treatment plant um, I'm really counting on on his help moving forward because that is going to be a challenge
1: for us um well has he it looks like he hasn't set a date to depart the as as a town manager, do you have a, a rough estimate when his last day might be with the town?
2: It, it will probably be within the next several days. Um, as we do all these things, you kind of have to look through pension and time off obligations and come to an agreement on the settlement of all those things. Um, so we're in the process of doing that. So it will probably be within the next two to three weeks.
1: Have you started um, interviewing for a replacement?
2: We have not started interviewing yet. We have are just in the process of finalizing our job description um, so that we can get that out there. And I hope that probably as soon as the as soon as the election is over with, then that job will be posted, and it will be the responsibility of the new council and whichever mayor is in place um, to move forward hiring a new town manager.
1: So the town the uh, the town council and mayor. You decide. Um, of course, you you make the hiring decision. Does the town manager are they required to live inside of the town of Hancock?
2: There there is no requirement. Um, I think like a lot of other municipalities, we because of the nature of the job, they they really need to be within a, a very close vicinity of the town. You know, if you're living more than than ten miles outside of town, you're really not going to be able to respond in a way that. Um, that we need you to, but it has not been a requirement in the past.
1: Mayor Hancock was recently in the news about the so-called quote-unquote Potomac Pipeline, and of course the Board of Public Works uh, recently voted that down. It was a three-to-nothing vote. Even Governor Hogan um, voted against it as well as State Treasurer Nancy Kopp and Comptroller Peter Francho. Did the town of Hancock take an official position on the possibility of a natural gas pipeline going underground uh, through uh, under beneath the Potomac River,
2: we did not take a public position on that. Um, the, the proposed site of the pipeline actually is outside of the town of Hancock. Um, there has there was no information that was pro- provided by any parties about um, its impact upon the town's water supply through the aquifer that were supply through we don't get our supply directly from the river so in light of that I felt that you know there are there are people who have more at stake of this that, that should be uh, making that decision so the town elected not to make an official position about that
1: okay well it looks like that uh, that's potentially um, out of the picture or at least delayed uh, I don't uh, it doesn't seem like that there's the, the, the possibility of that returning as an issue um uh, so here we are it's an election on monday and town voters can come out and do you expect a turnout a high turnout or about the same that you've had in previous years uh, you know last year or la- and two years ago rather you had about 269 votes to your opponents 54 do you expect um I mean, that's a small percentage of the overall 2,000 who live in the town. How, how do you get people to come out and vote?
2: Well, I mean, if, if you think of that being the population, then you have to look at eligible voters. You're probably only in the, you know, 700s. So it's a respectable, I think, turnout. Um, mm-hmm. It's always difficult to get um, to get people out for any type of election. And, and, you know, one of the issues is the time of the election, and I, I will yeah. say that, that – um, my opponent and Mr. Dardar had made a, a comment before about the timing of the election being that we should move it towards the spring. And I think, you know, actually that was a very good idea. And, and, the, and the council recently did vote to um, to move that forward. And um, we're going to make a, be making a charter amendment so that the next election in 2021 will be held in April. Um, uh-huh. So, uh, but I do expect, but I think that well, the one thing here is we do have very contested um council election we have two incumbents and two very strong challengers so i think that's going to drive a little bit i I expect to see a slight increase in the voter turnout as compared to the last election
1: well you're facing off against your former opponent nigel dardar who's no stranger to politics in fact he served on the town council uh, and uh, he ran for mayor i believe a couple times um so what um Ooh, and then last night of course you had a forum uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to make that but is is there any discernible differences in your platform versus that of your opponent
2: I will I'm not sure what Mr. Darter's platform is that's the best I can tell you I he okay. certainly did not did not present a platform at the forum last evening um other than you know that he thinks that people are using their cell phones too much um, I did read that but I think that the main thing is that what I what I understand the role of the mayor to be is to be an advocate for the town, um, and also takes it also takes a little bit of responsibility to go step outside of the town um, to go to the county and develop those relationships with the county commissioners, to go to the state and talk to our state legislators, to talk to our national legislators, the representatives from from Delegate Delaney and then um, from Senator Cardin's office. You know, those types of relationships are the things that help build the town. Those are why we will, we will help hopefully get some economic incentives to help with our wastewater treatment plan. Um, and I think that I've been able to foster those relationships in the last two years. We are, we've been very fortunate. We've had the Secretary of Agriculture, the Secretary of Planning, the, the Department of Natural Resources chief in the town of Hancock to talk about what's going on in this town. And hopefully we can build on those relationships in the next two years.
1: Yeah, um, there's a lot to be accomplished. Um, Any other issues that were discussed yesterday evening, some of the topics? I I wasn't sure who moderated the forum or the logistics of how the forum went down. Would you you expound on what happened last night? Because I wasn't there.
2: So the, the forum really becomes just a presentation. You know, each candidate is given a specific amount of time to discuss the issues that are pertinent to them. Um, I think that in the, in the future, I would really like to see it a little bit more interactive. I know that there was sort of a call from one of the, uh, one of the audience to you know, ask about if there's going to be any chance for, to, for candidates to respond to the comments of others. Um, and the forum really wasn't set out that way. Is more open-ended. Um, I think in the future, if it was a little bit more directed, if, if candidates were asked to respond to specific questions, um, if there was a little bit of a give and take, um, it, it might be a little bit more of a fiery meeting, but I think that would, might uh, give us a little bit more interest on behalf of the, of the people in the town and perhaps provide a little bit more information. It's, it is very easy when you're in a, in a situation where it's a forum and you're allowed to present what you want to present. Um, but when you're challenged about your your presentation, when you're challenged about your plans, I think that's when you really find out who the people with the real vision are.
1: Yeah, I agree. So hopefully, I agree.
2: that may change in the future.
1: Well, I agree. I, I think that if you're standing in front of the the citizens that, uh, and the residents of Hancock, and when you're asked to explain your positions, then um, then naturally, I think it makes for uh, a better democracy. I think it when you when you challenge somebody, as you just said, I, I think that that draws out some conclusions about who the person is with the, the better platform. What other issues do you hear from town residents that they're asking you to consider or to work on as a mayor and a council? What are some of the, the struggles that you're facing?
2: I, I honestly think that the biggest struggle is, is the appearance of Main Street. Um it is difficult when you're dealing with absentee landlords who have rights of their own um, to do something with the properties that sit vacant. Um, you know there are, there are certainly some public health concerns which we've addressed, but you know if they're if they have an empty space and they're using it for a tax deduction and they have no desire to do anything with their building, it's it's sort of difficult to to get off the dime. I know that some. Other towns who have had, who have a little bit more resources have you know tried to acquire those properties um, that's a that would that would certainly be a big change in how we operate town government um, but it may be something we need to consider in the
1: future um, uh,
2: thats I think that's really the 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 biggest thing that that sort of bothers people as they go as they go through town
1: I know in western Maryland mayor there's a ongoing and important discussion about opioid usage. Has Hancock been directly affected by opioids?
2: I think that any municipality that says they aren't is, is burying their head in their sand, in the sand. Um, it is, it is a rampant problem no matter where you are. Um, it has a lot to do with, um, with access and it has a lot to do with economic opportunity. Uh, one of the things that, that, again, that we're hoping to do with, with Harvest and Lanko Penland is to allow those, those businesses to grow to create opportunities for jobs for people in, in the community. That's one thing. Um, the second thing is I think that's why we feel as a town um, having a police force is important to have local control. We have a, a canine who's, who's available to us. And it, it just says to the community that we are out to protect our community, that this is this is behavior that we're not going to tolerate um on the other hand you have to have there's a there's a bit of compassion that you have to have for the people who put get themselves in the situation um you know there are obviously bad actors out there but there are there are a lot of innocent um victims of this not just the people who may abuse the drugs but their families so we try to you know provide support for them we our police force and our rescue squad and our fire department are trained in treatment of opioid overdoses um and we'll try to continue to do our part to to get through this along with the health department, and every, all the other resources we have available.
1: And speaking of resources and uh, other town issues, public safety is always a front and center issue for anybody who lives in a city or a small town. Are you facing any public safety issues? Do you, uh, what does the crime rate look like? What, uh, and, and how do you tackle that? Is it a co- community policing sort of model or is it something much different?
2: No, we. we um, I think that, that really it's the presence of the officers that makes makes the big difference. We're also, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's also an, not I would say a close, not a closed, but a close community. We, you know, you know your neighbors. You know if something looks suspicious and you report it. Um, the the crime rate. You know, everyone. You have the occasional. You know, teenagers gone a little wild, having having a, uh, a time out there, and that's that's fine. One of the things that we we do. And we have done recently is, you know, we have a, a, a real nice town park system. Uh, we probably have more park acreage per citizen than any other place in the in the state. Um, but one of the things we've encouraged our police department is to allow the kids at night, you know, to drive onto the on, into the park and be there until, you know, whatever curfew is, 11 or 12 o'clock. Um, allow them to congregate there and talk, and as long as they're well well behaved, if you don't give them a place to be, they will find a place to be, and it may not be the best place. So we, right. want, we want the kids to, to feel like they're, they're welcome and that um, we want them to be safe.
1: Right. Okay. Well, um, where can people find more information about the town of Hancock?
2: We have our uh, website, thetownofhancock.org. Um, we have our town calendar. I post a blog uh, not as regularly as you do, um, <laughs> but I do try to put some information up there. And hopefully they'll have information about what's going on in town. You know, we do have a town calendar. That's that's I guess sort of another little challenge. Um, We uh, we try to encourage people to get things on the calendar. Doesn't always happen. We have a very active arts council here in Hancock. The Hancock Arts Council usually puts on at least one event, uh, ranging from dances to magic shows to concerts. Um, Pretty active organization. Always something fun to do and. Uh, usually available by donation. So you can kind of choose your price.
1: Well, there you go. Uh, and on Monday, we should have a resolution to the election. Looks like we'll get it wrapped up. And uh, and I encourage people who are listening, go out and vote. And uh, one other question. Now, do you if, if someone is not able to vote, I know I talked to a town employee, Jody Finney, on uh, Wednesday, and she said that think to request an absentee ballot it has to be within two weeks of the election is is in my own point there
2: yes yes you are i mean there are there are emergency circumstances certainly if someone was hospitalized the the night before and yeah. wanted to vote then there are emergency uh, ways to get get ballots but on a, a routine basis we encourage everyone to show up from 11-7 and um put their vote in for their candidate of their choice
1: well there you go Uh, Mayor Svani, I appreciate your time here on a Friday afternoon and looking forward to this election and continuing to, to follow it and, uh, good luck on Monday.
2: Well, thank you. And I hope maybe I can, if if we're fortunate to be reelected, hopefully we can talk about the progress we make in the town in the next, next few months.
1: Yeah, I would like that. I, I'd like to come up and we'll, um, grab a bite to eat and we can sit down and, uh, talk about what's, what's happening. And, uh, I don't think I need a tour. I, I, I think I know my way around pretty well. Yeah, but and, you, need,
2: you, you need to get out on the canal, the trail, to really appreciate it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get you out. We'll make you work off your lunch.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that sounds good. Um, Mayor Svagnu, thanks again for coming on, and uh, best of luck
0: to you on Monday.
2: Thank you very much, Ryan. Talk to you soon. All
1: right. Take care.
0: Bye-bye. You can subscribe to a Minor Detail podcast on iTunes, CastBox, Overcast, or any application where you listen to podcasts. Like A Minor Detail Podcast on Facebook and follow the conversation on Twitter at AMD Podcast. If you or someone you know is interested in sponsoring A Minor Detail Podcast, please reach out to me at ryan at detail.com. Thanks so much for listening.